0: Hello, everyone. This is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Monday, April 27th. Uh, It's so significant for so many reasons, not the least of which uh, is uh, we're on day, I don't know, 53, 54, 55, depending on where you live uh, in the middle of the um, COVID-19 quarantine. Um, I like to say, like I did uh, last week during my podcast, that light is, I think, I see light at the end of the tunnel. Um, You know, things are, I think, looking a bit brighter I think there is room for optimism, um, and uh, I, like many people, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we're hopefully coming to the end of this, because as you can see in my background, I'm a New York Yankee fan. I'm going to bring up a, non, a non-New York Yankee fan in about 30 seconds, uh, who will share his uh, wallpaper in the background. But uh, I'd like to spend today's podcast um, talking about a variety of different topics, a lot of hot consumer tech topics, um, bouncing around, um, not the least of which is work from home, work from home has been a big topic I've been talking about for the last few weeks. Um, but there's a lot of very, very interesting topical consumer topics that I'd like to uh, address. And I am very, very fortunate to bring, bring up a guy that I've known for many, many, many years. And that's, uh, Walt Mossberg, the, uh, the, uh, the esteemed uh, Wall Street Journal journalist. He's done a variety of different things. You know him from a variety of different venues that he's been involved. Walt, please uh, introduce yourself to the more insights and strategy audience.
1: Well, uh, like you said, I'm Walt Mossberg. I spent uh, 22 years as a tech columnist, the tech columnist at the Wall Street Journal, and then uh, was the founder of All Things Digital, uh, the conferences, the website, and then went on uh, with my partner, uh, business partner, Kara Swisher. We left the journal. We started Recode. We sold that to Vox. Uh, Recode continues uh, under Vox, and uh, I retired a couple of years ago, but remain very active in tech topics, and uh, like Mark says, I've known him for a long time, and despite our differences in uh, baseball and sports fandom, I uh, <laughs> consider him a close friend, and I want to start the podcast by saying happy birthday to Mark, because today is his I don't know, 80th birthday, and uh, he's probably he's probably thinking about the time he saw the 1927 Yankees.
0: I did. I was there for the for uh, Babe Ruth's 60th home run. If you <laughs> yeah. if you recall, I was yeah, there personally. I,
1: I I can see you in the pictures. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'm wearing my little uh, my. Yankee t shirt, but just to upset you during the call, Walt. And I, and I, I know you were going to worry. Yeah, I'm uh, over hey, it. Red I'm Sox over tab. it, Mark. But glad you got past that. So I got, well, first Fenway, of
1: all, I got Fenway Park behind me. I'm I already. know.
0: I know. Isn't it you know, amazing how people kind of revert back to the things they love? And I know how, how passionate you are about the Red Sox. And obviously, you know how passionate I am about the Yankees. But uh, it kind of gives us a little bit of optimism about the future when we think about the things that we love so much. Um, well, first and foremost, how have you been dealing with, uh, during the, uh, how have you been spending your almost two months in captivity, you know, at home? Let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. Uh,
1: it's actually been uh, better than I thought it would be. Uh, I have a wonderful wife and uh, she's with me. And we don't have the the added pressure that a lot of people have of, of trying to, trying to do a, a full-time job and homeschool young kids uh our kids are grown up we have grandchildren they're homeschooling uh theirs uh one of our uh kids is expecting uh uh shortly and we're a little you know, we're a little worried about what that will be like during the pandemic but in mm-hmm. our just in our personal case we've uh We've had very uh good fortune of the very good fortune of having a wide variety of delivery services here in uh I live in the suburbs of Washington DC, uh in the state of Maryland. And uh, uh, our governor who is a uh Republican, who's the uh chairman of the national or the head of the National Governors Association this year. His name is Larry Hogan. He's done uh, I think a, a very good job, and um, coordinating. Also, of course, with the nearby, you know, those who know Washington know it's really three jurisdictions. It's the city of the District of Columbia and uh, Virginia and Maryland. They're all coordinating closely. Uh, so we've been we've been lucky. We've had uh, things delivered that we've needed, and we've had neighbors who have been friendly and uh, offering to shop for us and do us favors. And we do get to get out and walk uh, and uh, been watching plenty TV and reading books and doing Zoom conversations with friends and Zoom book clubs. And my wife does Zoom Zumba, Zoom Zumba (laughs) uh, exercise. And we also both do uh, kind of a Zoom uh, physical therapy, if you can believe, if you can imagine that term. <laughs> we have uh, had a long time physical therapist who helps us with just general exercise and stretching and that kind of thing and some meditation. And so she's uh, basically directing us over Zoom uh, at home. And it's been uh, really really helpful, which brings me to the first thing I think we ought to talk about, and that is Zoom. Um, You know, Zoom is one of these uh, products that uh, rides on top of the web. It's not fundamental tech, but it's a service that rides on top of the web and the internet. And um, I did the first review of it. I was the first journalist to write about it. And the first journalist to test it back in 2012, and uh, what I I went back and read the column uh, uh, a little while ago, and my take on it was that contrary to the way at the time Skype was, and there weren't really many others uh, out there, uh, Zoom offered free high quality uh, video calls with up to 15 people um and uh, then they had some paid business plans but there was a there was a bigger a bigger consumer focus at the beginning this is not unusual as you know uh, they still have a consumer plan although now it's limited i think to 40 minutes they may have lifted right. that
0: it's and i think the, it's for yeah i think it's 45 or 40 minutes for a um for video calls but there you, there's a lot a number of features you cannot utilize like recording and things like that you need to pay right plan but
1: plan. i think they may have even limited the 40 minutes they have mm-hmm. lifted the 40 minutes during the pandemic you'd have to check mm. um yeah i mean like like all these other products that have a consumer tier and then some business tiers there obviously are more features you're recording this call and um the uh the uh Free one doesn't let you do that.
0: Um, well, what's your take on uh, what's your take on Zoom regarding the, the and it's been more than a brouhaha on the, uh, the security related issues because there are some significant significant security issues which they're you know they're in the process of addressing. They haven't totally addressed it. Addressed right, them. and the I reason mean, I should point out that the reason I'm uh,
1: uh, looking away for a minute is I. I'm recording this on my phone at your request. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and I forgot to do that at the start. Um, My take on their security and privacy issues that they had is, first of all, they should have been smarter about not doing it. Um, I know uh, the founder, uh, he's a good guy, I think. And um, I don't think he's some evil guy, but I think they saw it as, hey, this is an enterprise thing. It's going to be controlled by the IT people at the company. Uh, we're not hiding this, but um, this is a, another revenue stream for us, uh, like tying in when people sign in with Facebook, like everyone, every other company whose users sign in with Facebook, a certain amount of data goes to Facebook. They, um, I think the thing that I'm most disappointed about is that they – had bugs that were pointed out to them, vulnerabilities, and they didn't fix them. They mm-hmm. were just very lazy about fixing them. They're obviously, they've, they're they on a, uh, I guess it's a night, I don't know where they are, but they're in a 90-day uh, drive to close every hole and change, and they've already changed a whole bunch of policies. Like Even for this, where we know each other and there's only the two of us, um, I was in a waiting room before I could get in here. That's now a new mandatory feature so that if somebody wanted to crash this, they can. You, would, they have, yeah. you would see them in the waiting room and you would not let them in. Right. And uh, there's also uh, uh default. Uh, I think these default to on, but there are toggles which say only the host can share a screen. Only the host can uh, uh do what's called annotating, which is one of the business features, where if if you have a spreadsheet or or a PowerPoint or something up on the screen, I might I might be able to annotate yeah, it as one of the participants. You can stop non-authenticated people from doing that. There's passwords, It's a bunch of things. So they're having to very quickly catch up, and they shouldn't have had to catch up, but um, they never were prepared to go from ten million active users to 300 million active users in one month
0: month right
1: and so, and,
0: and, and, I, and, and that brings up a i think a larger issue um walt in that when you look at what's happened to the country what's happened to the world you know from a, a pandemic standpoint and the fact you know what you know what really warms my heart, and I'm sure it does yours, is how the country has really come together, respecting these quarantines. Really, the, the vast majority of Americans have really complied with their governors. They've complied with the all the, um, you know, the the recommendations and suge- suggestions by Dr. Fauci, and Dr. Burks, and I, I really think it warms my heart that most of the country has signed up for that. But let me ask you a philosophical question: without all the technology that we've had, whether it's Zoom other video conferencing solutions. Um, uh, can you hear me, by the way, Walt? I can, yes. Okay, yeah, I thought yeah, you went out for a second.
1: I was uh, taking my AirPods out so that the recording on the iPhone would Would work. go.
0: And I, I think the, th- you know, the thing that I wonder is that, would, and I mean this in, in a somewhat sarcastic way, would the, wor- would the country have ma- been, ma- been able to maintain its sanity with all this working from home, well, first of all, there's a productivity piece. Could you really work from home without all this technology? Has technology given us the avenue to deal with this pandemic in a much more robust and not that it hasn't disrupted our lives. It has disrupted our lives. But it, it's gone smoother because of the presence of all this technology that we've had the ability to have at our fingertips, unlike 20 years ago I mean, or 10 years ago, you wouldn't even have some of the stuff that we have available. Yeah, there. no,
1: I, look, I completely agree with you. I tweeted something about it the other day. Um, I, I actually think there are, uh, some interesting essays to be written about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the presence of the, uh, a video, uh, uh, communication technology we have, the, which, which includes everything from the increase in capacity and speed on the internet itself to the, uh, uh, abilities and characteristics of laptops, iPads, smartphones, um, uh, have been, and then of course the software products have been really important. Uh, I do think it's important to point out that only 30 or 40% of the workforce, by the nature of their jobs or by the technology they own because of their incomes, um have the ability to do this work from home and this virtual stuff uh, like we're doing. And um, uh, the rest of the workforce are either essential, their jobs make it essential that they be somewhere in person or they don't have bandwidth or they don't have the uh, devices. On one of our walks, and we live in a relatively well-off suburb, not a super rich place, but, you know, a you know, middle class, upper middle class suburb. We took a walk and our elementary school, they were, they had a crew of people in masks and gloves and uh, protective gear. And I asked what they were doing because the school has been closed for weeks uh, or month. And, I, and they said, we're passing out Chromebooks. Mm. And, Kids who didn't have computers, or uh, you know whatever was necessary for—I guess they're using Google Classroom or whatever at the school system here, which you don't need a, a Google product to use. But they're passing out Chromebooks, and uh, that's not here in Maryland. That's not the only place that's going on. So um, they're trying to get this stuff out to as many people as possible, but not everybody can have it. Having said that, I. I T- totally agree with you that without a question 20 years ago this would have been a much harder thing both for disease control because people would have been much less able to isolate yes. Selves, yes, I- uh, self-isolate self-quarantine and then economically I think we would have lost more of the economy uh, and you might say well if we've lost 50% of the economy, how much better, how much difference does it make if we gain back the other 50% or the other 40%, whatever? But I think it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Every, every day, uh, people, both of us know, including you, I'm retired, but not you, are going to work. Right. And you're able to go to work. And there are some things you might get done that you can't get done, but I'll bet. 80 90% of your work you're able to, in your particular job you're able to get done uh virtually and uh and that's important i mean the 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 conferences and things like that and i know a lot about that cuz i produced them for many years uh the conferences that you would have gone to are canceled so you're not missing them and uh, so you know Minus that you're getting a lot of work done
0: well yeah, you know, you know
1: I, mean, I, I think tech has been huge, and I think yeah. that's true here that's true in in Europe it's true in some of the richer places in in South America uh, certainly in Japan and parts of China and you know South Korea and places like that. Obviously, there are poor countries uh, all over the world, and poor parts of the rich countries where it's not helpful, but it's, it's been a big deal.
0: Well, you know, you know, you raised a number of interesting points um, during your reply to that, uh, Walt, but you, you know, what's fascinating to me and it kind of segues into a couple other things I want to dig into is that, you know, I've been working from home in my, in, in my current job for the last uh, couple of years um, and had fielded an enormous number of uh, calls and requests from you know, people for recommendations on how to work at home, what's the right equipment to get. Because strangely enough, when you're working from home for an extended period of time, if you haven't done it for an extended period of time, there is certain you know, um, tips, frankly, that uh, are helpful to people. And I know you're not new to the work from home um, even yeah. when you were, work, even when you were working, you were in an office in Washington, DC at the journal, you did a lot of your work at home. So you yeah, were I would spend a couple of days a week working at home. Yeah. At home. What are the, uh, what are the most common, because I'm sure you still get questions and queries from family members and from other people you've worked with, or just people that, you know, may reach out to you randomly. Are you giving them any tips? Not specific on brands of equipment. Maybe you do that. But, but, but uh, in just terms of, hey, here are a cu- couple things you want to think about, you know, if you're going to work from home for an extended period of time, you know?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, there are many, many articles and videos about this on the web. But um, I think, you know, boundaries are probably the most important thing. Getting a sense, having a sense that I'm now going to work and I'm now Going to lunch. Mm -hmm. I might go out for lunch. I might have lunch at home, but I'm going out. I'm going to lunch. And that's just like going to lunch if you were at an office. Uh, And then I'm going back to work. And then I'm being done with work. Although, in our world, even if you never worked a minute at home, it's pretty hard to be done with work. Yes.
0: Uh, It follows you. It follows
1: you. Given the way it follows you. But I think those boundaries just mentally, just for your sanity and also for your productivity and concentration and for your attention to your family or your personal life uh, makes sense. And I think that's the most important thing. There are equipment issues and and given my job and my career, I do get asked, you know, what laptop would, would be good? Should I buy a microphone? I'm not using it, but I have a a microphone here and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a, a semi-professional microphone because I used to do my own podcast. Um, depending what you're doing, you might want that. I noticed you're using uh, over-the-air headphones and I was using AirPods until I started doing a backup recording. And um, But even the backup recording, you know, you have to have a good phone for that. And right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there are, there's some equipment you're going to need I don't think you have to spend uh, a huge fortune uh, but there is some equipment you need and but mostly I think you need a mindset of this is actual real work and then there are parts of the day when I'm actually even though I'm home I'm not going to be at work I also think you need a space in your house it Yes, does, 100% agree
0: know, with that yes I
1: have a home home office. Maybe you do too. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a home office, it doesn't matter. You just, whether it's a corner or the table or a a part of the kitchen counter or whatever it is that is your regular place to work, unless you're somebody who likes to move around, which is also legitimate. But you need either a pattern of places where you work or a single place where you work. Uh, All of that I think helps you get in the in the mindset for working from home,
0: and, and that brings up a fascinating topic. Because you did, you did a tweet about this um, a week or so ago, and you would talk. You, you, and, and I agree with you know, with the, with the assertion you made. It was it was first of all the assertion you made about Apple's marketing has been kind of confusing about the iPad as a computer because it segues into another topic I want to talk about. and that, the question I get repeatedly. And I, I think I'd give them an answer that I think you would, you, you would sympathize with, is can I really use an iPad as my home productivity system and replacement of a laptop? And, um, and I think, you know, and, and you've, made this, you've made this observation as well, is those of us in the tech space, unfortunately sometimes base, we, 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 we extrapolate our experience and our unique usage models with equipment on the general population which is kind of very, for me, a very arrogant thing to do. And I do it, sometimes I don't, I do it just because that's my orientation, but I try to take myself out of that. And I find that, you know, with the huge, you know, advantages, um, not advantages, but advances that, that Apple has implemented in iPad OS with now trackpad and mouse control and other things they've done as, as well. The iPad can, can become a very, very effective laptop replacement. And I think you made the point that sometimes Apple's marketing Seems to be very confused about that. They don't. They don't seem to really want to. They, they they hint at that, but they don't really pitch the iPad as a complete replacement for the uh, for the PC. So I want to talk a little about that from your perspective in terms of the iPad as a you know with the right keyboard. They have now a Magic Keyboard that has a, a built-in now um, built-in trackpad. Do you think that most consumers can get away with using a nice iPad Pro and a few other things as a as a as an effective laptop replacement?
1: I do, uh, but I would not call it a laptop replacement. I would not use that term. I think mm-hmm. it, what it does is it replaces many, in some cases, most of the scenarios, the usage scenarios mm-hmm. where you would have a grab for your laptop. Over the 10 years that the iPad has been out, and starting really from my very first column, mm-hmm. I made this point. I made this exact point. Um, so many of the scenarios like the thing we're doing now we could be i we, I don't happen to be doing this on an iPad but I did a podcast the other day where I just used my iPad Pro mm-hmm. instead of a Mac I'm on a Mac you may be on a Dell I don't know what you're on but uh, you're uh, you we could both be on iPads and the cameras are fine and the quality is fine and the and the processors are actually faster than on almost any laptop so uh the answer is uh we've gotten to the point now whether you have a keyboard or even if you don't have a keyboard the keyboard stand or a third-party keyboard um it it absolutely is a productivity device it absolutely can do your your you can do your work on it and not on a laptop um you will immediately on Twitter hear from people who are obviously developers or video editors or something like that. They'll say, well, I can't do that. How, how can you say that? I can't, do the, I can't do blah, 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 you know, coding this and developing that. And Look, I have a lot of respect for those people. I'm not trying to make fun of them, but I think they can't see past their own yes. workflow. Um, no, I,
0: I, agree, I agree with that. I was,
1: you, you might have been in the room uh, at the time in the audience and I was on stage right next to him when Steve Jobs yes. gave, gave his famous explanation about cars and trucks. Trucks, and, yes. And he said in the post-PC world, which he believed we were entering, um, there the, the iPad and the smartphone, by the way, would be devices that... Um, would resemble what cars came to be and we would still need trucks just like we still need trucks we all have a lot of trucks on our roads because there are things trucks can do that cars can't do and so he was never he has he never to my recollection said the ipad can totally replace the laptop Mm -hmm. they make laptops they did before he passed away Uh, if you go to Way back to his introduction of the iPad, he clearly made it a third category, not a replacement of the laptop category. Uh, so it doesn't replace the laptop. What it does is replace a lot of the usage scenarios. And I mean, I grab for my laptop maybe 20% of as mm-hmm. often as I used to. Uh, I just grabbed right. iPad Pro instead. And I'm talking about not even the huge one. Just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, 10 and The 11-inch uh,
0: le- le- 11 11. or the small one, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, iPad Pro. I, I, hell, I, I use an iPad mini to do certain things. And it, these are work things. If somebody tells you that uh, email or texting or, you know, annotating a, a, a document or working on Google Docs or something like that isn't, a, isn't work, but only you know editing a video or or coding that uh, you know an app is work.
0: they're just wrong.
1: It, that may be true for them, but these things are work
0: so well but well, if this is all and I believe this is all true, I think i you know i I would agree with you violently on all of this, and I know this is probably speculation, then how do you explain? Because you know a lot of the Apple folks. You still talk to some of the Apple folks. Of course, you don't talk to Steve anymore. But you still, I'm sure, occasionally interact with some Apple folks. How do you explain the marketing? Because I, I, I don't really quite understand it myself. I mean, I from a business perspective, that, as I was telling you, is I think they want to have their cake and eat it too because they still sell lots of MacBooks and they still sell lots of iMacs. And they're, they're, I don't think they're prepared to make that dramatic statement the way I phrase it, not the way you phrase it. No, in fact, uh, as you know, the
1: and then we could even talk about this, they're, they're planning on not only not, you know, ceasing making laptops and desktop, but they're planning on migrating them to ARM to the yes to, yes to the same really fast chip that's with, completely within their control mm-hmm. that they're using on their mobile devices. So the Mac has a future and a, a long future in their mind. Um, Here's what I think is going on. They wanted to make the point that um, an iPad is a computer. Now, it's obviously a computer. My Apple Watch and maybe your Apple Watch is a computer. Um, mm-hmm. Our phones are computers, whether they're Android phones or iPhones, whatever, they're computers. And there are a lot of things in our world that are computers, other than the old idea of a pc a personal computer whether it's windows or mac uh you know in the shape of a laptop clamshell or in the shape of a a, of a desktop uh uh those compact towers used to come and talk to me (laughs) about when you worked there and those dell towers um uh, those things were clearly personal computers i think apple is trying to say the ipad particularly with the iPad OS and some of the improvements you talked about is a computer. Uh, the problem is they're not saying personal computer. They're saying, uh, when is a computer not a computer or something like that, whatever their ad copy is. And I think that's, what's really confusing about it. I think if they were saying, this is a personal computer, Mm -hmm. that would be a much clearer expression of what I think they're trying to say. And I will go further without regard to Apple, because I don't talk to them about their ad copy. I do talk to them, as you say, and I talk to people at other companies as well. But um, I, uh, I would say that the personal computer that we always thought of as the personal computer, the, the laptop I'm on right now, for instance, uh, is no longer the most personal computer. The most personal computer is your smartphone Phone. and for a lot of people the iPad is their personal computer in terms of how often they use it, how close it is to them, that kind of thing. I think we've seen that change. We are in the post-PC era, but it's only PC in the sense that that's the abbreviation we used to use for the particular kind of computer that is a laptop or a desktop. Right, right. The phone, right. we call it, it's hilarious that we call it a phone because putting aside the, the need for human contact during the pandemic, in most of the, of the time when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, we're not making that many voice phone calls on the thing compared to other things we're doing. It's a computer. It right. happens to be small enough to fit in a purse or a pocket. And an iPad is a computer, a mm-hmm. Surface tablet is a computer uh, and um and so i think these are the real personal computers of this century uh and the latter part of the last Sorry. century uh, de- uh not century decade well this century of this century
0: well and you know and the other interesting thing is and i think we should talk about this for a couple of minutes is that you know the re- the, the move for apple to their own asics their arm like solutions, but their own, uh, CPUs It's significant for a couple of reasons. I mean, you know, not only will it allow them to optimize the operating system, um, you know, from a, which is really the wonderful thing they've done with iPads and with phones is that their ASICs are so well uh, optimized and integrated from, from an operating standpoint allows them to create a very immersive, you know, highly, um, Uh, beneficial experience for consumers from a developer standpoint, you know, if they're able to get their entire client line, you know, their PC, uh, their notebook line, their iMac line, their iPads and phones on the same architectures from an ASIC standpoint, the software implications of that are very significant, you know, from an, an app standpoint, because first of all, if you're a developer, you know, most developers, they bristle at the fact, oh, I've got to develop my application for five or six different platforms. Many developers are not, they don't have tons and tons of, uh, resources. So the, the, advantage of being able to combine that code base ultimately and allow them to develop, you know, take that same application and put it on more platforms is a big deal. So, um, what are your thoughts on, on just well, no, on I,
1: I totally agree with you. They already, they already have a fledgling program to put, uh, uh, iPad apps on Macs running Intel. And it's you know a little ragged, it's not great. It, it, presumably they could make it better, but I think it's kind of a Trojan horse for the time when the same processor will be running in the iPad and the Mac, and it would be so much easier and so much better for the iPad app to run on the Mac. Um, might imply, by the way, a touchscreen Mac, which has got, oh, my God.
0: Oh, that's heresy. That's heresy.
1: That might, might imply that. Um, and I have no inside knowledge on that. But uh, I think it's, and, and, you know, going back to the oldest days we can think of of Apple, they've always wanted to control the whole stack. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say they don't have, allow millions of third-party apps on these devices, but they exercise some control over the parameters of that too. So they, they like control and they like consistency and uh, already their devices work better together than I think any family of devices on anybody else's ecosystem, Uh, Windows or Android. uh, The Apple ecosystem just interoperates beautifully. I mean, my wife, was doing her Zoom dance class this morning off her new uh, iPhone SE, which cost, by the way, three hundred and ninety nine dollars. And air, airplane, oh, yeah. airplane ah. through the Apple TV onto a sixty five inch LG OLED. Just my,
0: yeah. But let's, let's talk about that because I think that kind of goes to one of the points you were making earlier that the new SC phone that just came out, You're, um, uh, you just got one for your wife. Um, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, it's a very, it's not a cheap iPhone. It's an inexpensive iPhone that actually has a lot from a technology standpoint. It's using the latest ASIC or the latest ASIC technical term. It's using the latest CPU. H,
1: but it's really uh, a...
0: CPU, it's right. Really, um,
1: that's, it's really a system on a chip.
0: Yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's their own, it's the same processor. They, they, well, not the same, it's a new version of it. But I'm, they're using the latest and greatest technology. That's my point from a, from a processor okay. standpoint. I'm going
1: to take off my virtual background for a minute. <laughs> Go ahead. So that I can show this to you. My wife let me borrow this for this podcast. So uh, this is it. Um, now you're going to say it doesn't look much different than, let's say, an iPhone 8 you know, a little bit older iPhone, although the red's pretty great, I think. Um, It's an extremely solid build. It's nothing cheap. There's nothing plastic here. Mm -hmm. The camera is excellent. And so here's the deal. It's essentially, and I just read an iFixit teardown on it just like three or four hours ago. The um, body is the body of an iPhone 8 the camera hardware is either the iPhone 8 or the i uh, the iPhone XR camera. Right. But they have the A13 Bionic chip in here, which is the same chip. It's in my iPhone 11 Pro, which I paid well over $1,000 $1, for. $1,000 for. Uh, you know, blinging it out. And this thing, I, I did throw in a, another 50 bucks to double the, the, the storage. <laughs> so This cost 450, which is roughly a third of what I paid for my phone. And it has the same processor, exactly. Right up to date. That has, that has two, uh, two big uh, 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 meanings. One is computationally, this thing is super fast super fluid and in terms of the camera even though the camera hardware isn't anything as good as what i have or you might have um this thing does portrait mode um that's a very capable phone that's a very capable phone (laughs) google has done the same thing with a single camera phone and apple is doing it now so she went from a 2016 se four inch phone with a what by now looks like a pretty crappy camera, to this, which is you know, not the best camera on an on, on iPhone, which is probably right now the best problem, smartphone. Mm-hmm. But a very, very, very good camera. And the other thing is, because it's the newest chip, newest uh, system on a chip, it means that it's gonna get four or five years of- uh, Runway, yeah. yeah. Of yeah. runway, of updates. Yeah. Um and that 's for three ninety nine uh, or in my case four fifty but it you know it's it's astonishingly inexpensive for a very good iphone and so Apple obviously started planning this six eight, ten months ago, long before the pandemic, but bringing this out during the pandemic, particularly given the production delays and so forth they 're having with the next group of Premium phones that are coming, uh, I think is is very fortunate for them because while I don't know what I'm about to say is just speculation, my guess is the margin on this is pretty darn good because all of the parts in this are common. All sunk costs. Right. They they even made a statement when somebody said, "Well, people love that." I se owners love that four-inch screen how are they gonna do with a 4.7 inch screen, which by the way is the smallest screen you can imagine getting today on a Mm -hmm. brand name, big name, tier one phone. Um, And Apple said, we've sold 500 million phones with a 4.7 inch screen, Mm -hmm. is the way I calculate it, not far off from half of all the iPhones. If so, what did they sell? So 1.2 billion i something like that. Mm-hmm. So 500 million is a lot. So this the screen uh, screen's beautiful. It's not OLED, but it's beautiful. The camera's good. The processor is the best in any phone by any company, uh, and uh, and the build is the build quality is terrific, and it's re ninety nine. Right.
0: Well, so and I. Great-
1: product for them to have right now
0: and i want to go back to something um when you said a few minutes ago is that having the fastest uh processor in that actually is important because with wwdc coming up uh in the not too distant future and it's going to be their first virtual event by the way and the, and just on the event itself i think it will be interesting because that event's always been held in san jose thousands of devel- developers show up And this is going to be the first virtual WWDC because of the pandemic. It'll be remarkable the way Apple does it. I mean, just purely from an event standpoint, I am sure Apple will do it with the precision of a Broadway show. And it probably will be a great teaching lesson for the rest of the tech world on how to conduct um, an event like that. Not just the keynotes, but the breakouts and things like that. But the point I'm making, they typically announce their new upcoming operating system for the uh, for the smartphones and for tablets. And I am sure there's gonna be a lot of surprises. There typically is. Some of the stuff has been speculated of what they'll be incorporating with that. There'll be more AR, presumably more VR functionality uh, built into that. And having the fastest CPU in that phone in that phone you just showed off is a pretty important part. So they do, and they do everything for a reason from a sequencing standpoint. So I agree with what, um, you know, what you, the, the general comments you've made about the phone, but it's also a great, to me, a future-proofing that if you buy that phone, it will last you for quite some time. Yes.
1: Yeah, so if we're entering a world, and we are, with huge, horrible, just horrible unemployment, even if we get some of that back as, as we reopen the economy, which I think, by the way, is going to take most of the rest of this year, not a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if we reopen the economy... Uh, we're still going to have much higher unemployment than we had before the pandemic hit, but hopefully, uh, uh, God willing, we'll will have uh, much less unemployment than we have now. People are still going to be not necessarily in the mood to buy these thousand-dollar phones, whether it's Apple or Samsung or, or whatever, whatever. top of the line, you know, Pixel or uh, whatever. The, the the rumored new Surface Phone. Whatever it is, if it's in a way, Apple has set a new price for this, even if that wasn't their intention. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, In the world we're in now, the price is holy
0: moly.
1: (laughs) I can get get a pretty great iPhone for 400 bucks. Right. Um, And by the way, I would throw into that, it's not quite as dramatic, but it's pretty dramatic. Brought out a brand new MacBook Air with a finally fixed keyboard, keyboard mm-hmm. uh, and all the other advantages of a MacBook Air. And they cut the price to $9.99. Uh, so you can get, if you, if, if you want that, that's now less expensive than it was. So, again, I don't, I'm not saying they planned all this because of the pandemic situation and the economic situation we're in. But it's going to help them.
0: Well, in in a few minutes we have left, what's your take on 5G? I mean,
1: um, 5G is, is not, uh, it's not even worth thinking about this year.
0: Really? You feel that strongly about that? You think it's not a consideration?
1: I feel that strongly about it, Mark. I I think it's another one of these things where tech writers, uh, tech writers should be covering it. Tech analysts should be covering it. And I don't, I don't, uh, to anybody covering it, but I, I don't think it's a this year thing for most, the vast, vast majority of people. First of all, the vast, vast majority of people won't have devices capable of using it, phones in particular capable of using it. They won't live in places which are covered by it. This year, Mm -hmm. pandemic has if anything slowed it down, the deployment of it, and slowed down the willingness, we just got finished talking about this, but slowed down the willingness of people by the new generation of phones that have 5g i don't care what brand you can we, we can stop talking about apple and only talk about samsung it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the the samsung is not putting 5g on their $399 phone they're putting it on their thousand dollar phone just like apple just like you know OnePlus, just like uh the google pixel so you think those things are going to sell in the amount that we're going to sell in this year? I don't.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going there though. Where I was going with is if Apple will have a flag, f- flagship phone later yes, this will. year, uh, but I don't think-
1: it, And maybe I'll buy it. Maybe. I, I might not, but you might.
0: You but I don't, th- I, don't, I don't think I could tell a person go spend $1,500 on a phone without having 5G from a future proofing standpoint. That's the point I'm making. I think you're, the point you're making is relevant. From the those people who you know who are looking for a budget phone, and I agree with everything you said, but I think if you 're going to spend twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen hundred dollars which these flag you know the apple flagship phones you know, uh, phones float in that category, it'd be really hard to buy a version of that without five g well, I think th- we're going to have to watch look at the prices uh the rumors are they're going to have four
1: flagship phones, yeah. mm-hmm. not the. It may be that the least expensive one, the $700 one or whatever, won't have 5G. Maybe they'll all have 5G and they won't, for some reason, charge for it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just because of the pandemic and the economic situation, they may decide to swallow that and and swallow a little bit of the margin. I I, I simply don't know. But even if you bought one, I don't think it's going to make a big difference in your in your daily life. I don't think we're there yet. I think it's a 2021 thing, not in terms of its existence, but in terms of its actual impact on your life. And if we think about deployment and we think about deployment of devices.
0: And the infrastructure yeah I, I can't disagree with you. I you no, know, it's still I still good to
1: that. I, I don't think 5G causes coronavirus and I would be
0: <laughs> Well, you laugh but I mean,
1: in the, at least in the I UK, I know time, what they call masts, you know the masts hmm. for for 5G and and so you know I'm I'm all for 5G, I'm all for progress uh There's also, even if we didn't have a pandemic and none of this was going on, you know as well as I do that there are serious questions about 5G actually changing things a whole lot for the typical person and what the typical person does. I mean, it it gives you more capacity, but it doesn't necessarily, in every instance, give you more speed depending where you are you may nope. have already enough speed or you, you know, whatever. So, uh, and it's not gonna help people in rural areas who are already having trouble with LTE.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think, well, I'd love that we should have, we only have a couple of minutes left here and we, we need to have a 5G specific conversation maybe a couple of months from now because I think the world will be a bit different, hopefully then in terms of discussing it. But I, I, I do think that, you know, you've made some um, uh, very good points. Um, I, you know, again, I look at it from a kind of a, a a value standpoint, you know, you want to spend that kind of money for a high-end phone, but you're right. I mean, uh, you know, 5G is going to be rolled out in different flavors. There's millimeter wave, which is not going to be represented the entire 5G rollout. That's where you get the performance speed. And there will be parts of the country that will not have that millimeter wave uh, infrastructure in place. So you're right. You might not be able to take advantage of that even with 5G, but and the couple of minutes I have left, uh, Walt, anything that you else like to kind of opine about? Anything that was well, on your I, I I do want to say that
1: I think all of us who are tech analysts or tech journalists or retired tech journalists, whatever I am, I think we have to uh, give credit to Google and Apple for doing the joint work they're doing on a contact tracing. Uh, in a very serious way with white papers and lots, mm-hmm. lots of privacy, lots of thought that went into, in a very short time, lots of very clever thought that went into uh, layers of privacy and the things they're doing. And this is both the, the first stage, which is the APIs for apps to be written by the government. And I can only go apps Mm. by the government, but but more importantly, the second stage, which I expect to see in the early summer, which is just a toggle in the OS itself, where as long as you opt in,
0: uh, a lot of
1: contact tracing can uh, go on. Uh, Obviously it depends on whether people are willing to use it, willing to report that they believe they've had COVID, Uh, and all of that. But uh, I think it bodes well. I don't think there's been this cooperation between Apple and Google since the early days of Google Maps and YouTube on the uh, early iPhones. And, uh, you know, you can still be competitors, and that's good for the world. But when you need to have every phone be able to do this, it's great that that Sundar Pichai and Tim Cook and their top people uh, underneath them were willing to all get together and do this. And I feel like we need to say that.
0: No, I think you're right. It's unfortunate that it took a pandemic (laughs) to force that kind of cooperation together, but they are natural competitors, let's face it. But I I do think there's a lot of examples of, of that, not just the Apple, Google cooperation, but being out here in the valley, uh, it's really been unbelievable. We've written about this at More Insights in terms of how many of the high tech companies have stepped up in a pretty big way in terms of trying to do their very best, in terms of providing their technology and capability to help you know, mitigate this, uh, the uh, COVID-19 stuff. So I, that's, been, to me, heartwarming, and it makes me feel good about being part of the, uh, the tech space. But, uh, but thank you, Walt. This has been great. Um, you look fine. I'm glad. To, uh, I'm glad to know that your family is healthy. You're healthy. Uh, hopefully, we'll be out of our home soon because I know the place you want to be is that background. But you don't want to be in a. You don't want to just uh, a I don't want, want to look the real playing stadium much longer. I will look at you. <laughs> I don't want
1: to look at the stadium much longer. <laughs>
0: Well, listen, well, thank you very much uh, for uh, participating in today's podcast. Uh, Thank you to the entire More Insights and Strategy podcast audience. Please follow us on social media, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great weekend.